This is T. Earl Grey Hart, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. Rubicon. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of TL Grey Hot, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the rather awesome Other Side Podcast Network. My name is Dave and I'm joined this week as almost every week, by someone who does make first contact every week, given that he forgets about the show as soon as it's recorded. That could yes. be talking about me, to be fair, but I was in fact talking about my good friend Yannick. Hello, Yannick. Hello. How are you? I am very well, thank you. What about yourself? I'm fine too. Um, everything's fine. Uh, the nice weather is coming back. It's uh, almost like it's a new start of fine things yes yes i completely got that what yeah i sorry i didn't <laughs> prepare anything so just improv it's okay hello, hello chris chris from canada hey. is in the twitch chat welcome to the show indeed good to have you along although you're not listening Ooh. anyway doesn't matter she's here she's keeping us she's company here. Moral that support. is what is important. Indeed. So, on this week's show, we shall be giving our review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode Number 9, entitled Rubicon. Indeed. Yes. Rubicon. But we'll kind of talk about it a bit later on. I'm just thinking here, thinking, should I say something about the episode? Uh, and I think no. that's kind of what the review's for. So, shall we... Uh, yes. uh, Let's, let's crack on. Let's crack on. Yes. Let's fly. Punch it. <laughs> so in the teaser, we find ourselves aboard Booker's ship, hidden in the husk of a dead world. Booker and Tarka carefully place the isolinium within the core of the isolytic weapon. Tarka is convinced that Burnham and all the others will understand once it was over, and that no one else will be lost to the DMA. Yeah. The, the, you said the they put that carefully in the weapon. He dropped I mean, I, it. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see how how this is going to hold. Or maybe there's a force field inside. Or I don't know. But it just, it just, it just put it there. You know, with with a pair of tweezers and <laughs> that, yeah, that's so it. It was kind of like a glass ball, the size of yeah. maybe a, a golf ball or a ping pong ball or something, with the top yeah. missing. And they just like poured this gunpowdery like substance into it. And then picked it up with something that looked like it was going to break at any moment. Yes. And then dropped it in there. Didn't put the lid on, on the little ball-like nope. thing. And then Not even. it kind of sealed itself. Yeah. I mean, they have transporters, they have replicators. Why did they have to do that by hand? I don't know, but uh, it was... Uh, Weird, I was like expecting some, something, something to happen, but no. Mm. Well, it was another 30 seconds of airtime, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, when when Tarka was saying that all the others would understand once once everything was over, a Booker was like, no. "Really? <laughs> Not convinced." No, no. But like they say, the ends justify the means, right? Depends which side of the end you are. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> But yeah, I guess uh, from Darka's point of view, yeah, yeah, the ends justify the means. At least, I think he's convinced he's doing the right thing. Yes, I, I think he is convinced he's doing the right thing, but for completely and totally selfish reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Although but he wouldn't it, think. What I mean way. is that. He doesn't have any um, malicious reasons. He, he he honestly wants to, to get the the power source to go back home, so he will do whatever if he deems necessary. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I find it admirable. Bear with me, I do find it admirable that he has this sense of purpose. He oh, yeah. knows what no, he definitely. wants to do. He wants to go and find his friend. He's keeping a promise. I mean, you you can't you can't question that. No. What you can question is what he's doing to achieve that. Yeah. Because, as you said, it's a very selfish reason. Even even if, in his mind, uh, destroying the DMA will save people, will save lots of lives. Is not doing that to save those lives. He's doing that just to save his own. I mean, this is episode nine. There's a 13 in the series, isn't there? Uh, something like that, yes. Right. So in an episode or two, we get a lot of insight into mm-hmm. why he's doing this. Yes. I remember. I, I will say this. It will allow... It will all make sense. It will. At Federation headquarters, Fleet Admiral Vance remarks that saying the matter was not easy would be an insult to understatement. <laughs> yeah. I've skipped a bit, haven't I? I have. Uh, Oops. Yes. Oh, well. Well, rewind. <laughs> <laughs> Aboard the USS Discovery, Burnham plays Saru an encrypted message from Booker, telling her he has looked all over the data on the on the DMA, including the fact that it was probably a mining device rather than a weapon. But he remains adamant it must be destroyed before it claims any more lives. He tells Burnham that he does... No, okay, go, go ahead, finish that. He tells Burnham that he does love her, but can't, cannot see any middle ground, and bids her goodbye. Yeah, I, I just I just uh, remembered something. Um, uh, the the fact that um, it's a a mining device uh, in in the teaser and in last week at the end of last week's episode, Vance said um, not in the teaser in the 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 uh, last week on on, on discovery thing. Uh, he said, "If that's a mining equipment, I can't." Imagine what the weapons will be, but yeah, it's not directly related. I mean, when when um, 
when human species invented the agriculture and, and mining equipment and, and stuff like that, weapons were not necessarily um, a, a more uh, advanced technologically. So it's not because it's a mining equipment that, that they necessarily have weapons that are 10 times as, as powerful. So it, it, it just reminded it just reminded me of that when when I watched the the teaser. I thought uh, that doesn't make necessarily a lot of sense. Yeah, I understand that, but then they've got no frame of reference, have they? They don't know that their <clears throat> their mining equipment is infinitely more powerful than the most strongest weapons in any yes. other known part of of our galaxy it is a reasonable uh, assumption i would give you that but it's not it's not uh, 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 i don't have the uh, the word in english for that it, it, it's it's not a direct consequence i mean mm. this is a mining equipment therefore the weapons are a lot more advanced it's not automatic i, I think Oh, I see. Yeah, no, I I don't think it would. There would be a direct correlation between, um, proportionally between the the power of their mining weapons and the power of sorry, well, mining weapons, the power of their mining equipment and their weaponry. Yes. Burnham had hoped that telling Booker about the DMA's true nature would change his mind, but if Booker and Tarka were not stopped. There was no telling what would come next. Saru agrees that Booker has left them no choice. Yeah. There's still communication, so it's uh, because he, she sent uh, data and and he responded. So mm. as long as they speak, there's hope. Yes, but. They're speaking and there's communicating. And at the moment, yeah. it seems as though there's no communication going on between the two, so they may as well not be speaking. True. Any attempts that either of them really are making to try and convince the other one that their purpose, their um, their end game is worthy is failing. At Federation headquarters, Fleet Admiral Vance remarks saying the matter was not easy would be an insult to understatement. That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> but Burnham asks Vance if she is capable of leading this mission. And Vance asks in return if that was what she wanted. Great question. She replies that it is. Yes. Vance informs Good. her that while President Rillac has her own views on the matter, she's also aware that Discovery is the only ship capable of reaching Booker in time to stop him, and that no one knew him better than she did. Vance, yeah. Vance also reminded the President that Burnham has never let him down. Is that true? I don't think she lets him down, but she sometimes... Dis disappoints him? <laughs> I, I don't know if she did that. But as Rilak uh, noticed last week, she navigate, She can navigate 
through you know orders and regulations and and do unexpected stuff mm. but not sure she ever disappointed disappoint yeah yeah that, that. disappointing in past tense so rereading this Vance also reminded the president that Burnham has never let him down. So actually, yeah. that was that was more of a of a thing to Burnham. I've I vouched for you with the president yeah. of the federation, so you better not let me down. Yeah. Now I've seen this episode f- four times now, and I hadn't picked that up until now. <laughs> Vance warns Burnham that Rilak is concerned that if the mission does not go smoothly, Burnham could be too emotionally compromised to be involved. And the Admiral shares that concern. Therefore, he is sending another officer along with Discovery, someone who would be able to step in and give the necessary orders, backed by Vance's full authority. Who can that be? I have no idea. Well, I do know, but no. I have (laughs) no idea. Burnham protects. Really no, after the break. <laughs> after these messages. I think we did that joke last week, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> Burnham protests that this was Saru's job, but Vance points out, quite rightly too, that Saru is also close to Booker. I guess there's no one on board the ship that is not close to Booker. Now, it's funny you should say this. Vance tells Burnham that the officer he has in mind is a friendly face. And he asks them to join them. The big reveal, people. Burnham is pleasantly surprised to see that it is Commander Narn, who is now working for Federation Security. Though aware of their prior history, Vance believes that as a Barzan, devoted to duty, Narn would be ideal. He leaves the two of them to catch up. Yeah. Nice to see her back. Absolutely. I think last time we saw her, she was uh, in the the plant thingy. Yes, the 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 the, the plant thingy with the vaults of of what's it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it is it is the official designation. Yeah, it certainly is. I can't really remember the name of the the, no, the episode or the place. I think the episode may yeah. have been the place. I can't remember. Yes, it, it was in, in the ship with the 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 hologram or the the. the Guy who were who was stuck in a in the hologram. Yeah, and didn't at the end of that episode, yeah. didn't they like release him? Yes, they let him t- let him de de uh, deactivate. That's the one. Yeah, mm. and then she took over the the watch. Yes, that's right. Nan starts by saying that she had only met Booker in passing, but believed him to be a good man, and apologises that things had come to where they were. She tells Burnham about her new security posting, leaving a leading a covert leading a covert cleanup task force against what remained of the Emerald Chain. Burnham had seen the reports of the bloody fighting. Whilst it was not the way Nan would have preferred to have returned, she thought it best that if it were her rather than a stranger. And Burnham is, of course, glad to have her on board. Yes. Uh, of course, they were friends, I think, on uh, before before the jump to the future. I believe they were close friends, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In his quarters on Discovery, 
Saru contacts President Tarina, asking her for a favour. Oh, why? On, on Nivar, he joined her in a Thresh-Torkashek meditation and found it greatly eased his troubled mind. He asked to do so again. Tarina agrees, and they kneel down on the cushions that Saru has produced on the floor. However, even through the holographic communication, Tarina can see that Saru has difficulty focusing. And yet, Tarina herself has no problem sitting on a cushion that isn't even yeah, where she is. I, I was going to mention that. First, I mean, the way Saru uh, picked up his, his his phone, or his, no, not phone, his communicator thingy, you know, it, it, it was um, uh, tending to the, the, the plants, and then mm. suddenly he raised his head. I was like, what did he hear that I didn't hear? But apparently he didn't hear anything. He just thought, oh, I'm going to call Teresa. Yeah. Not, I, not Teresa. The way I interpreted that is that he was deep in thought. And whilst he was deep in thought, misting his Kelpian thingy mm. plants, yeah. um, something came to mind. And that kind of reaction, as if to say, oh, Oh, was, I'm going to give a call to the president of Nivar. Well, it was either I was going to give a call to the president of Nivar, who I fancy the pants off, or it was <laughs> he had a revelation about something and he wanted to speak to somebody who would understand what it was he was yeah. struggling with. And that just happened to be huh, funny Absolutely. that her as well. Yeah. Then, so how does this uh, cushion thing works? Because. <laughs> She's an hologram. She's an image on his side of the of the communication. He produces cushions. Did that produce cushions on the other the other hand too? I don't know. It, it, this, is, this is weird. This is one of the weird parts of the uh, holographic communications in in Star Trek. Yeah. Well, the the gesture that he made that was a new thing for me. Unless I've missed something somewhere, where he gestured to the ground and they just materialized it, it was just showing up for her for Teresa. oh i see uh, he was trying to yeah, impress like, her yeah see what i can mm. do Ooh. yeah yeah i mean that um, would have been had, really impressive if he if he had only produced one cushion and he managed to get the other cushion to appear on her side and position them so that they were directly next to each uh, uh, across from each other there must have been something on the other side because she needed to so yes, otherwise she would have knelt in the cushion rather yeah. than on it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not a at clue. least. At least they didn't touch hands. So, and, and they they did the uh, the the bad reception thingy when, when the, it, her yeah it glitched glitched. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, to, I have to admit, 30... it, it did look as though they did touch hands at one point. Yeah, thirty something century and it's still glitching. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm going for a tunnel. You're losing your signal. <laughs> a subspace tunnel. A subspace tunnel. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the technology is good because there must must have been like thousands of of light years away, and and there was no lag. I mean, we're, we're like, I don't know, 300 miles, 1,000 miles away apart, and we've got like a, a, a half a second lag between us. <laughs> so I can't imagine uh, between planets. No. But there again, isn't that what subspace is supposed to do? 
Yeah, because exactly. Da- yeah, um, radio waves travel at the speed of light. Yes. Technically, if they are a light year away, then it would take a year for yes. a radio message to get from one point to the other. And another year for the answer. Yes. At which point you would say, what was the question again? <laughs> Especially if the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, yes what? Yes what? <laughs> Come back in, in, in two years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's something like seven minutes to to the moon. Was it? Was it like that, or is it Mars? Something, something like that. Oh, I can't if remember. Only if we had, if only we we had an astronomer on the call, mm, mm. Uh, we could ask. Yes. Uh, we have a first time chatter in the room. We do. Uh, hello, first time chatter. Hello, first time chatter. Um. Highlighting the no, possibly not. Possibly Moving on. Siru <laughs> admits to Tarina that he is distracted, particularly by the anxiety surrounding the hunt for Booker and Tarka. But Tarina sees that that is not all. He also mentions that Sukal is worried about the DMA, and Siru does not know how to comfort him but thinks that personal feelings are of little import in such dire times. Tarina, however, believes that such feelings were always of import. She suggests that if formal meditation does not help, engaging in the peaceful routines of daily life help to re-establish inner balance, perhaps a walk or a shared meal between, between friends, and offers to join him. Nice setup. No. Nice setup. <laughs> oh, Very I good. Didn't, didn't say didn't see that coming. <laughs> mm. Saru, somewhat surprised. How? <laughs> that surprised no one. Said yeah, except he, him. <laughs> except him. Said he will consider it and thanks her. <laughs> oh, Why would you even think? Yeah. Your answer should the, be the, immediate. Yes. You should answer the question before she's even finished asking it. Yes. <laughs> I would call him something, uh, but someone else does that later on. Yes. <laughs> Although I would probably have not used the same word. I would, this one is kind of politically correct. Yes, it, it, it anyway. is a, a lot, um, a lot uh, politer. Saru heads back to the bridge to prepare the ship for departure as the crew discuss the mission. Lieutenant Commander Nielsen and Lieutenant Commander Reese share lively opinions about Booker and Tarka, but Saru shuts them down firmly, saying no matter what their opinions are, they still have their orders. Yes. Just then, Burnham and Nan enter the bridge, the crew looking pleased to see her. She's glad to be back, but was just observing. Burnham, however, yeah. Burnham, however, believes that they should know the real reason why she was there to ensure they completed the mission given Burnham's relationship to Booker. Makes sense. Completely. I think she missed something, though. Because... Which one? None or...? uh, Both of them. Both, yeah. Because whilst it made sense for, for them to reveal to the rest of the crew the reason why she was there, to basically make sure that 
Burnham wasn't emotionally compromised. They should also have mentioned that she has the authority to step in and basically take Burnham off the captain's chair if she feels that... Did we knew that already? Uh, yes. Oh, did we? Yeah, no, I'm sure we did. Okay. I'm sure we did. So then, yeah, they should have. But yeah, they didn't at that point. <clears throat> Burnham instructs Lieutenant Commander Oshikun to place their destination on screen, the uninhabited rogue planet where Booker's ship was hiding. If Booker's ship used the spore drive to jump into the DMA before they could detain them, pursuit would be far more dangerous. Burnham orders Black Alert and the cloaking device engaged, giving the command with a half-hearted, let's fly. (laughs) Yes. You know, whatever, let's kind of sort of fly, whatever. It's already not convincing when she does that normally, quote-unquote. But this one, it was like, no. Yeah, you need to change your catchphrase. She used the wrong catchphrase. She should have said, jump. Yes. Because they were, yes. jumping, they were jumping, not flying. Although technically they don't fly, do they? <laughs> they they float. Well, yeah, they float. They float in space. They all float. Sorry, yeah. wrong film. <clears throat> Right, that was a fairly epic teaser, actually. Eleven minutes, I think that was on the on the episode, yeah, which is like a of, quarter of it. It's kind of the norm those days with uh, Discovery. So, yeah, certainly of uh, of recent recent times. I mean, they only have three, uh, four acts instead of five we had earlier on, on earlier They're turning series. The teaser but, into a yeah. fifth act. Yes, I think that's the. Uh, that's the, uh, the the idea. Mm. But if, if you look look at that uh, from a US uh, TV point of view, although it's on Paramount Plus, so I don't know if they are if they have commercial or not. But they do not. They have, used to have. They, they don't. They do not have uh, commercials on Paramount Plus. Uh, so Plus that when Discovery first came out, it came out on Netflix. Therefore, yes. I don't know whether they built the acts to allow commercials to be embedded into it. Should they then do it on, um, on the TV, broadcast on television, TV. yeah, commercial television, I should say. Mm-hmm. But because all the episodes are roughly the same length, they're all about yeah. forty-four, forty-five minutes, which is yeah, they, is about they're, right. They're still timed timed for a one-hour slot. On TV with commercials, exactly. And I know you're not a, a huge fan of this, but when season three of The Orville was released, they went from doing timed episodes to however the episode took to to make to do to to tell the no, story. Right, okay. So okay. some episodes were fifty minutes. One episode, I think, was nearly an hour and a half. <laughs> when you when you yeah. when you're making a program for a streaming service you're not constrained by no, no. by timings doesn't make sense and i wish sometimes they did this with uh, with discovery but they're still mm-hmm. considering commercial television indeed anywho on to act 1 
Booker's ship is 4,000 metres beneath the surface. Beneath the surface, the even. Service, yeah. The surface, yes. Inside a cavity on the rogue planet, with no scanners or any other defences being detected. Burnham orders Lieutenant Commander Detmer to bring them in as close as possible. She then asks Saru and Nan to meet with her in her ready room and to have Dr. Culber join them. Hmm. Hmm. What's that? Saru, Nan, get it? Culber? Hmm? All will become clear. In her ready room, Burnham explains that Booker's ship has a built-in security disruption field, so they could not transport directly on board. That's a lie. <laughs> That's a blatant lie. They've never had that. Why now? And also, yeah, why doesn't Discovery have one? Just saying. It's, yeah. But uh, we know it's a lie because uh, many people, well, they then, the uh, quiet Milat. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, lady, she teleported, teleported, transported on, on Book's ship with her. Followers. Javini. Javini, yes. Thank you. Uh, so it's a lie. <laughs> it's, it is a lie. <laughs> I was that's screaming at my, at my yeah. screen. Like, no, that's not true. You tell Paul, please. Transport. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. But even though they could not transport directly onto the ship, they could bring a cloaked shuttlecraft to a maintenance hatch on the aft side of the ship. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Proximity yeah. alert. Nan respectfully suggests that Burnham should not be leading this mission, and Burnham assures her that she hadn't planned to. Saru would take point, along with Dr. Culber and Lieutenant Commander Reese, and Lieutenant Commander Bryce. That's a mistake. Saru, Saru explains <laughs> that they will use a multiphasic signal discriminator to override the external proximity centers, sensors and gain entrance before Booker or Tarka are alerted. What? So, it, so if you can use a device to jam the proximity sensors, they are useless because everybody will use the, the jamming device and use proximity sensor will, it doesn't make any sense either. So, Precisely the point. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly the note so that, I read. Yeah. So that's two two affirmations that are completely it's like we don't know where they come from and they are honestly they are they're stupid. <laughs> I wonder if Burnham is saying that for Nan's benefit. But there again, Nan knows discovery, so I I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Once they reached the bridge, Dr. Colbert would then attempt to de-escalate the situation so that they could take control of the ship. Oh, that's why he's here. That is why he's there. Colbert sees that Booker is acting out of anger and grief, believing he was doing what was right, but was not unreasonable. Uh, Hang on. Believing he was doing what was right, but was not unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Culber sees that Booker is acting out of anger and grief, believing he was doing what was right, but he is not unreasonable. Tarka, however, was the wild card. They will all have their phasers set to stun to be used only when the situation requires it. Well, when you see him will be a good start. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
shoot and then ask the questions. As the cloaked shuttle leaves Discovery, Bryce and Reese argue again about Booker's motives. Whose idea was it to put him on the, them both on the ship at the same time? Don't know. As they become more heated, Saru intercedes, firmly telling them that they were there to execute their orders, regardless of their feelings about their mission or one another. Culber takes a more conciliatory, conciliatory approach, saying that mm-hmm. while they all had different opinions of what Booker was doing, they were all there to fix it and that they would do so together. Saru thanks the Doctor and orders Reese and Bryce to prepare the ship for docking. Very much a good cop, bad cop thing going on there. Yes. Is this at this point that they bring Discovery or is it just later? I think it's maybe just later. What? They they bring Discovery close to Book's ship. Or are they already... Uh, that is literally my next sentence. Okay. <laughs> Awushikun confirms that the shuttle has docked. Oh, so before that... Oh, okay. <laughs> before that, when Discovery approaches a book's ship, uh, who's piloting? Is it, is it Awushikun who's piloting? Uh, or is, is Reese's, Reese's, um, oh. No, the, the, the Discovery. Uh, Awushikun, yes. I think. Awushikun. And she said, okay, approaching, stopping in three, two, one. I mean, you don't stop at one, you stop at zero. It doesn't make sense to stop at one. Do you know, I I thought exactly the same. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, what? Yeah. That and the fact that you have like a ginormous ship in space with, you know, motion and, and inertia and stuff like that. You don't stop ship just by saying, one, stop. <laughs> uh, can I ask you a question, actually? This is, yes. this is a, a cultural thing, and it's, it is relevant. If you go into a building that has multiple floors, yes, and you go into the elevator, yes, and you want to go to the floor above the one that you went in on, yes. what button do you press on the elevator panel? One. Right, okay. This may be the answer to this, then. Because... Whereas if we were doing a countdown, we would count down to zero. Yes. The here, they've counted down to one. Yes. The ground floor in America is the first floor. Huh. So they don't have a ground floor or a floor zero in this case. You go into a building that has multiple floors, you are on floor one. Uh-huh. So maybe, maybe, that, maybe there's a similarity there. I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't buy that. (laughs) (laughs) It was worth a try. Yeah, sure. Not that I was trying to justify the (laughs) quirks and foibles of the American people. (laughs) Awishikun confirms that the shuttle has docked and there was no sign that Booker's proximity sensors had picked it up. Burnham orders Saru to proceed, but then suddenly an alarm goes off Programmable matter begins enveloping the shuttle, disabling its cloaking device. Oh my god. What? Yeah. On his ship, Booker is surprised to hear an alarm that he doesn't recognise. Well, I would be too. And Tarker explains that it was an intrusion alert system that he had developed on the way to Parathia. Booker is incensed that Tarker did not tell him 
Otaka reminds him that they were on their way to buy illegal weapons tech on the black market. Yeah, I got bored. I installed the a security system on your ship. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's a little bit more fundamental than that. You're going into enemy territory with basically a whole bunch of people that couldn't be trusted as far as they could be thrown. <laughs> I, I think I think a couple of extra padlocks might be useful. Yes, but, you know, let the uh, owner of the ship know. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Booker recognises the intruder as one of Discovery's shuttles and realises Burnham put a tracker on the Isolinium. No. Wow. Wow. It took that long for him to realise. <laughs> Last week, you suggested that maybe he already knew. Yes. Well, I was wrong. Maybe he did know and just didn't want to tell Tarka. Oh. I don't know. That would be very... It, it's it's uh, a theory. You know how good my theories are. Mm, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know how good they are. Not yes. good. <laughs> I know how good they are not. Burnham <clears throat> orders Awashikun to beam them out. However, Awashikun cannot get a lock on them due to the disruption field from Booker's ship. Bummer. <laughs> With no choice, Burnham orders Saru to abort, but Bryce is unable to break free. Booker panics, demanding Tarka shut down the defence system before it killed them, but Tarka had programmed the system to be autonomous. Wow. Duh. And that they would be dead before he could remove the first layer. Did they learn well, nothing I understand. from Terminator 2? No, apparently not. But I understand... The, the reason, I mean, it's a security system to prevent anyone from intruding, so... Including them, apparently. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> but, eh, I don't know. It's programmable matter. I mean, it should be fairly easy to reprogram it, but... It's, it's in the name. Yeah. Wow. As the shuttle's structural integrity begins to fail, Tarka suggests running an EMP charge through the hull, which would slow it which could slow it down enough for the shuttle to escape. Booker runs the charge and tells the shuttle to fire maximum thrusters. Awushikun yeah. is just able to beam them back to the ship before the shuttle is torn completely in half. Yes. Just in the nick of time, and yet completely and totally unimpressive. <laughs> Absolutely, probably because that was the worst CGs, CGI's of the series since I don't know, maybe beginning of season two, maybe even season one. <laughs> I mean, where where did the budget go? I don't know, but one minute the the ship looks like it's about to explode, and then the next second, literally, cut to the Discovery Bridge. Yeah, and there's this kind of false jump that everybody did as if they'd just been mm. ripped from a uh, from a shuttle and, and beamed onto the onto discovery and they yeah. all kind of fall over in different directions <laughs> you know the, yeah you know that, that thing <laughs> used to happen when um 
when you, the the Enterprise seventeen oh one was being attacked, and you suddenly get this whole thing of yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and everybody would like lean the wrong way. Yes, <laughs> it was like that. But we're back to the question: when when you go through a, a transporter, how? How are you reconstructed? Because mm-hmm. they were all sitting on on, the, on their chair in in the shuttle, yep. and suddenly they appear on the bridge, lying on the ground. I know. They should <laughs> fall, fall <laughs> on their rear ends. But, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. But from a a um, TV show point of view, I mean, they probably had to, you know, they say, okay, rolling, and then they had to throw themselves themselves on the ground or something um it's probably easier than to fake falling on your rear end <laughs> yeah and also if you're going to push an emp in any direction it's going to have more yes. of an effect on other things, as well as the the target, which is the the programmable matter, it's going to have an effect on bookship because you're making it travel along the hull. It's going to affect the shuttlecraft yeah. because it's an EMP. Pro- it probably depends on the frequency of the of the pulse. Don't try and justify this. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's not the worst thing they did. Oh no, <laughs> not not at all. <laughs> no. After seeing they were all well, Burnham orders the shuttle crew to return to stations. Opening a channel, Booker asks if the crew made it back all right before saying that he had a job to do. His ship then jumps, and Nan believes they were going for the DMA. <laughs> really? No. Then so are we," said Burnham. <laughs> yes. Although they yes. had no idea where the controller was, they had to follow. They couldn't allow the first yeah. contact with unknown species 10C to be an act of aggression. Burnham once again orders black alert. Yes. And as we noticed last week or the week before, they no longer bother with, you know, the pilot going inside and getting ready and stuff. It's black alert, jump. Well, I, I think it's totally reasonable to suggest that Stamets has been sat in the pod yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Waiting. So, so, it, they, they did that at the, in the beginning just to show us how it, uh, how it works, but it doesn't make sense to do that every episode. So. Agreed. But it's still there. Yeah. It's different for Booker because the um, contact pads are literally directly in front of him. Yes. So, this takes us on to Act 2. Discovery arrives within the DMA. Burnham orders shields raised and to find the controller before Booker and Tarka did. Didn't need to give that order. No one asks what would happen if they beat Booker's ship to it. Burnham admits that figuring that out was next on her list. Lieutenant J.G. Linus reports dark matter interference was greater than expected. 
Washakun confirms this, saying that cloaking will be spotty and it was already impacting shield stability as well as scanner range. Detmer is reminded of her grandmother's saying about finding a needle in a haystack. Saru believes Booker will have similar problems, but Nan quite rightly points out that he does have a head start. Yes. But he has a head start, but having the same kind of problems, I mean, if if you're there, like, because he he doesn't have a too big of a head start. They jumped right after him. Maybe half, half a minute, a minute later. So, yeah, it probably doesn't have that much of a head start. But he knew where he was going. That gives him an advantage. Yes. Exactly, yes. Burnham gives her people their orders, and as Nan asks to speak privately with Burnham and Saru. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Can I just have a quiet word with you, please? Oh, yeah, no worries at all. What? Oh, my goodness, what's she going to oh. say? What have I done now? Yeah. Did you do something? No, I didn't do anything. Did you do anything? No. Yeah. Was it you? No. You? No. Not me. Lead us again. <laughs> In the ready room, Nan reveals that she had been ordered to allow the operation to go without interference. But in case they failed, she was or- ordered to brief them on a vulnerability that would allow them to disable Booker's ship. The prototype zero spore day. drive. Yeah. Zero D. Literally. Well, yeah. Don't forget, this spore drive had never been tested. So, no. So if they knew about this vulnerability, that's quite damning, actually. Well, they did what everybody does. They discovered a vulnerability. They keep keep it for to themselves in, a, you know, in hope they can use that later on for something. Mm. I guess. I don't know. If they fired a photon torpedo into the impulse manifold, it would set off a chain reaction which would destroy the spore drive. No. Uh, and the entire ship along with it. Well, that's a unfortunate side effect. And possibly the isolytic weapon that was inside the ship that had just been destroyed by it. An unfortunate, probably big side effect. <laughs> big side effect yeah so back to what you were saying last week this thing installed in a regular ship turns that into a a warp uh, um, uh, spore drive capable spaceship but it also brings a vulnerability that probably was not there before so that's a that's a one heck of a device but if you introduce any piece of technology into an interface that it has never been tested with, then you have absolutely no way of predicting what other vulnerabilities, incompatibilities, mm. flaws will be integrate, uh, introduced in there purely by the integration of that technology. Yeah. So it doesn't really make any sense. But why not? Particularly if one's speaking version two of the API and version, the other one's only speaking version one. <laughs> now you're getting geeky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they wouldn't be able to beam anybody off the ship, which is why it was intended as a last resort. 
Yeah. Saru was concerned that the explosion would set off the isolated weapon. Oh, see, he thought it as well. Yeah. And destroy Discovery along with Booker's ship. Oh, and 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 uh, what did they say earlier? Uh, an unfortunate, very very big side effect. <laughs> May I? Huge side effect. Oh yes, huge, huge. huge. Don't make me say humongous. Oh, <laughs> damn it! You oh. said humongous. Where did you Ca- say humongous? Sorry. Yeah, I don't think that's going to really sort of carry much uh, relevance to to the listeners of this particular podcast. But yes, um, Caroline just made reference to the fact they're they're thinking of re- rewriting some of Roald Dahl's books because of the language that's been used in them. Um, ah, yes. So she originally said "enormous" as another word for this one, and then she said the word "fat," which is one of the words they're trying to take out of Roald Dahl's books. Uh. But we're not getting into that because that's that's a that's another hour's conversation. <laughs> In fact, I think we're talking about that on next week's bugcast. Cha-choo! The what? Thebugcast.org. Yes. One one of the finest music podcasts around. Yes. It did have competition from another one. It did, yes. Mm. But the other one was so so beautiful, so nicely done and you know was making too much shadow, so I stopped it. <laughs> oh, dear. Too much? Stop. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. Nan is apologetic about Booker and knows that the options aren't pleasant, but Burnham interrupts, saying that it was not just about Booker or even Discovery. The Federation needed the spore drive to break its dilithium dependency, and there had to be a way to save it. Well, first off, this might be the prototype of the spore drive, the untested, vulnerability-ridden prototype. (laughs) Yes. But if the prototype was destroyed... That wouldn't set them back to square one. They've still got the research. They've still got the designs. It wouldn't be too difficult to recreate, at the very least, the prototype. Yeah, be the prototype. A prototype Mark Two. Yes. Sorry, prototype A. Probably. <laughs> no bloody A, B, C, or D. I don't know what language that was. Uh, what uh, accent that was supposed to be? Yeah. Prototype A. Scotty was from Yorkshire, Mark apparently. Two, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what prototypes are for. Test them, destroy them because you made a mistake, you build another one. Go back and build it again, precisely. Yeah. Learn from the mistakes of the first one. Preferably. Oh, look, we've built it exactly the same and it did exactly the same. Yeah. Wow. Blew up the same way. <laughs> That was Einstein's definition of madness, wasn't it? Doing yes. the same thing multiple times and expecting a different expecting, result. Yes, different mm. outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clever bloke was Einstein. Very underrated. Yeah, I'm sure he did some other I stuff. I mean, as well. he, he, did, he did. He did come up with a theory or two that uh, may have got some traction. Yeah, but, but that, that's just relative. Yes. <laughs> Nan reminds Burnham that she had the authority to relieve Burnham of command. 
and Burnham heatedly replies that she did not intend to give up command of her ship while she was seeking a solution. Saru intercedes, bringing up advice Dr. Culber had given earlier that in times of division, they should identify things that they could agree on, a shared goal leading to compromise. Burnham suddenly has an idea. Ding! And calls down to Commander Stamets in engineering, who was trying to increase the scanner range. She tells him to put Reno on the scanners because, you know, give that to the the, the lower people, and runs an <laughs> idea past him. They know the DMA is mining for boronite, and it wouldn't leave until the boronite in the area was exhausted. Stamets catches on to this idea. If they had if they scan for the remaining boronite in the subsector, they could calculate the rate of consumption and then predict when the DMA would jump again. Burnham Gu- Give or take a, a good chunk of time, apparently. Yeah, well, it, it, it's not an exact science, and we don't know whether the more they collect, the slower the rate of consumption, no. or even the greater the rate of consumption. Don't know. Yeah. Burnham tells Stamets to work with Zora to get a timetable, and then perhaps they could convince Booker to stand down. Nan suggests bringing it up to Admiral Vance. Burnham adds they should do it together. Yeah. So... When Nan arrived and she was like, oh, I missed you and uh, all that, and I'm sorry, it's the circumstances. They, were, they, they both agreed that it was a good idea, that uh, it was cool that Nan was there to, to uh, oversee uh, everything. But now Nan says, I remind you, I can take your command. And, and then uh, Bernard says, no, 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 I'm not going to let you do that. So <laughs> everything's like literally exploded. So that was the again breakdown of communication. Yes, you're like, yeah, I'm okay. That uh, it's okay that you are here to uh, and with the power to relieve me of command. Up until the point you are actually going to do that, at which point I no longer agree. Yes, (laughs) yes, I'm going to overrule you. I'm the captain of the ship. Yeah, well, technically not because Narn is essentially an admiral. Yes, but I wonder how the crew would have reacted if Nana had said, "Okay, now I'm taking, I'm taking command of the ship. Do this, do that." I'm not sure they would have. This is this is one of the reasons why I think the crew should have been told about this earlier, as I mentioned, because if Nan was to suddenly turn around and say, "I have the authority of Admiral Vance. I am relieving Captain Burnham of command." How do they know that she has that authority? Well, I think what would have happened is Burnham would have said, yeah, do what she says, because it's it's true. Well, no, because she's just said here, um, she did not intend to give up command of the ship while she was seeking a solution. Yeah, but, so- but if, if suddenly Nan had said, okay, I relieve you, on the bridge, she would have said, I relieve you from command and please, well, crew, do, do this. I don't think the crew would have done that, you know, without question. But then I think Burnham would have stepped in and said, "Yeah, she has the authority to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. You now, you follow her orders." Her orders. I mean, there there is a provision in the military that allows a even a lower ranked 
individual to wrest command from the commanding officer if they believe that they have become compromised or are incapable yeah. of carrying out their duties. But I believe that has to be ratified by at least one other officer. We've seen that in next gen mm. when they needed three, I think. They they were were looking for Riker, uh, Crusher, and yeah, to 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 relieve uh, Picard from Picard command. From duty. Yes, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Although I think the the doctor can do that without, you know, on medical grounds, the doctor can say you're not fit for duty. Yes, I believe that is that is true. But again, whether that would need some kind of ratification from another member of the of the of the officers, or not, I guess I the first officer. Well, first officer is the next, um, yes. the next ranking on the ship, and I don't believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, certainly on on the in the Star Trek universe, I don't think there's anybody on the same level as the first officer. They may be the same mm. rank, but I think in terms of of command level, it's captain, first officer, everybody else. Yes, probably because otherwise the first officer has no authority. When effectively they are, they are. It's the first officer that's in charge of the ship. Yeah, it's the captain that commands it. Yes, the captain is like the president, and the first officer is like the prime minister. The executive. Well, they, that's what they call them. They call them the executive officer, don't they? Yeah. <clears throat> in yeah. some in some branches the of the yeah the XO in some branches of the of the military in Battlestar Galactica, for example. Yes, but I think that's an old term. Uh, yeah, a, 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 an archaic term for for what we now call first officer. Yeah, Galactica was an archaic spaceship. There you go. Don't know if I've seen that. You haven't seen the uh, miniseries, the late, the late well, because they remade it, didn't like they? A few years ago. Yeah, yeah, a few years ago. No, I'm aware they remade it, but I don't. I've not seen that, and I don't recall seeing the original 1960s, 1970s. I've seen run. some of some episodes of that, but not all mm. of them. But I've seen the whole Battlestar Galactica reboot from a few years ago. Soon, from the other side, podcast network, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica review. Aboard his ship, Booker is still ser- searching for the controller, and the interference is already affecting his ship's cloak. He's angry about what happened to the shuttle. Although apologetic at first, Tarka bluntly tells him that he's worked for the past 10 years to achieve his goal, and with discovery in the way, there will come a point where Booker will need to choose between them or stopping the DMA. Yeah. Booker tells him not to go behind his back again and to finish the weapon. Tarka tells him it is finished, and actually asked him five minutes ago where where to load it. <laughs> I finished the weapon, where do you want me to put it? Don't make me answer that. <laughs> I have an idea where he can put the weapon, but <laughs> that's not going to be very useful. Yes. Booker curtly tells him to load it right into Torpedo Tube 6 and returns, uh, and returns scanning for the controller. Suddenly, his ship almost flies directly into the cloaked Discovery, forcing them to turn hard to port. Burnham orders sensor-blinding bursts to be sent out to dampen Booker's scanners so that he couldn't find the controller. Yes, and thus the game of mouse and cat begins. Well, absolutely. Is it cat and mouse or mouse and cat? Uh, we would say cat and mouse, but it, it's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. 
Tarka is annoyed to see that Discovery has found them again and reports scanner capacity has been reduced to 40%, not 47. Book of what, what, what's a reduced capacity? Did it we've, had, Did we've had this conversation with before. The yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different with, um, with functional capacity because, you know, if, it, if it's like oxygen is down to 40%, that's quantitative. Yeah. But when you're saying that scanner capacity has been reduced by 40%, that has to be qualitative. Yeah. So the effectiveness of it. But exactly what that means, I have no idea. Me neither. Book of Fires, <clears throat> and again, Book of Fires a magnesium charge into a nearby hydrogen cloud, a trick Burnham recognises as one they used as one they used to evade pirates in Breen space. She orders Detmer to take the ship towards the cloud. Saru warns that with shields compromised, the heat blast will short out the thermal regulators. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Burnham, Burnham assures him that they will avoid the blast if they dive in low, and Booker's sensors should be blinded enough for them to escape. The charge goes off, cool. and Discovery is able to dive out of the blast radius. Cool, because I wouldn't want to change all the thermal regulators in the ship. No, that's, no. That, that's a tedious task. No, absolutely. It's like changing all the light bulbs, isn't I, it? Yeah. You, you get a crawl in the Jeffrey's tubes and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Nah. Mm-hmm. You could probably take some out of one place and put them in another one. Yeah, because as we noticed many times, all parts are standardized totally, throughout yeah. all the galaxies. So... Mm. so this blast radius, because it's something I didn't know, and this this is obviously complete scientific fact within the Star Trek universe, is that heat blasts only travel in two dimensions. Yes, as many things do in Star Trek. Mm. Because you can just dive and... And you miss it completely. Blast, and yeah. 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 Absolutely. Maybe... The laws of physics changed in the 30-something century. I have no idea. Me neither. Not a Scooby-Doo. Um, Although there might be some scientific reasons. I mean, um, accretion disks around planets, there are disks. There are not spheres. So Yes, but that's where they're settled. So that's, that's going to be like an, an orbital pattern. Whereas this is going to yeah, be um, a pressurized, true. is it? But I don't know. True. Would, would an explosion actually travel outwards in space? Because that would be driven by pressure from from the explosion itself. Yeah. So I have no idea. Maybe there is pressure um, top to bottom. So pressure from the top, pressure from underneath maybe. in space. So that if something does go bang it's forced outwards because there's more pressure top to bottom. I have no idea. You know what? We we need to get in touch with uh, an astrophysicist. I don't know. Maybe if someone knows uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and he wants to come on the show <laughs> and explains if an explosion can can go on in, in, in a plane in space. I, I'd, be, I'd be happy if Neil deGrasse Tyson was on the show. Oh, absolutely. Have we not invited um, him before? Or we've said we would like him on before. Yeah, we we, we may have mentioned that. Uh, I doubt that he's ever going to be on the show. But <laughs> I might have to go. And, I might have to go and watch his uh, his Cosmos series, the one that was kind of like the the 
yes. reworking of what Carl Sagan did originally. Uh, yeah. Maybe this question is awesome. answered. I don't remember that it was. Oh, you've seen it? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right, so, one more thing. The magnesium charge. Yes. He's going to ignite it in 10 seconds. <laughs> Sorry, 20 seconds, said Burnham. Because she knows that. Because. It just seemed a bit specific and, and somewhat random. Well, 20 is not random. It's a perfectly round number. So. No, but, uh, I mean, she said she recognized the... The, the the pattern from what they did before in the in, when they escaped the pirates. Yes, so yes, yes. Maybe maybe that's where she gets that from that number from. But then, why would I've just answered my own question? I was going to say why would Booker have done that if he knew that Michael was going to know what he was doing. And, of course, the answer to that question is because he wanted to know what he was doing. Because, like you said, he had no intention of actually harming them. Well, yes. sorry, like he's about to say, he had no intention of harming them. So, right. Hmm. Burnham then has Detmer take them into a nearby dark matter cloud and from there resume the grid search. She then calls engineering, asking for the timetable, but Stamets is still working on it. Processing gigaquads of raw data, yeah, I believe was the phrase he used. Indeed. What is a gigaquad? It's a million quad? Uh, so four million. Then. Is it a billion? Then that would be four billion. I do remember, though, that we asked the same question when we recorded this episode the first time. Gigaquad. And I actually remember that when I was watching the Oh, hang on. When he said gigaquad. A quad is a measurement of information storage in Federation computers. While well, Federation oh, computers use binary code in some capacity, they're also known to have used trinary code. Which presumably is a three-state. Yes, no, and maybe. Mm. True, false, and perhaps? Hang on. Kiloquad, megaquad, gigaquad. It's been, the, the phrase gigaquad has been used a lot of times, particularly in Voyager. Ah. I don't, I don't remember. I need, I need to rewatch Voyager. One, two, three, four, five, six. It mentions seven episodes. Of, seven uh, of nine. Of seven, seven of nine. Very good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> seven episodes of Voyager. And in fact, there are more. Terraquad, right. Gigaquad, Megaquad, Kiloquad. That's a lot of quads. Well, Kiloquad isn't. Compared kiloquad to a Gigaquad. Kiloquad is not a lot of quads? Oh, okay. But yeah, um, I remember when, when I, I watched the episode tonight and he said, yeah, I'm processing gigaquads. I remember, oh, I, I know that. We already asked that question the first time we recorded that a year ago or something. Yes. Booker, observing the blast, correctly guesses discovery has gone into the dark matter cloud to escape it, remarking on how well he knew Burnham and her crew. 
Tucker believes that perhaps he knew them too well, to which Booker tells him to get back to work on the scanners. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's not... None of your business. Yeah, he's, he's not tolerating uh, Tucker right now. No. Which is- no, and, and that's... Yeah, that's... that's uh, that's a pattern. I mean, we can talk about that at the end of the of the review. A washer couldn't detect particles from the galactic barrier, indicating the presence of the rift, and are quickly able to spot the DMA controller. Nilsson remarks on how the 10C didn't seem to care how their device churned space and took boronite before moving on. Burnham is determined that they will stop the DMA, but they will do so the right way. Nana reminds her that Booker will be on his way to do it his way. Yeah. Uh, so about about the Tensies not caring about what they're doing, I think we've already mentioned that in, in a previous recording, that maybe they just don't realize what yeah. they're doing. They don't, they don't realize, yeah, they don't know what they're doing is harmful. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Uh, and I think that takes us to the end of Act Two. Ooh. And the uh, the next next acts are are shorter, I think. Uh, yes, they are they. Yeah, they they both yeah. are a bit shorter. Yeah. Right, Act okay. th- Act Three then. Mm-hmm. Burnham again asks Stamets for the timetable, and he responds he's working on it with Zora, just needing a little more time. Nani's blunt, saying they can't keep playing cat and mouse uh-huh, with Booker yeah, forever. There we go. And points out the new data had not swayed him before. Why does Burnham believe it would now? Burnham firmly believes Booker is reasonable and logical and would not want to see people hurt. Nan then asks, what would they do if she was wrong? Burnham believes there would be another way, but Nan points out there was another way. She passes flings maybe a tactical program over to reese one that he recognizes would destroy booker's ship burnham burnham is adamant that this is a last resort nan hopes to avoid that option but she was under orders to prevent booker and tarka from firing on the controller awashikun then reports sensors were picking up booker's ship moving fast burnham knows he would need to decoat decloak for a target lock and orders a wishikun to keep theirs active for as long as possible until she gave the order to drop it then tells stamets to let zora take over the timetable work as he would be needed for a spore jump this is getting exciting yay action <laughs> yeah so she, uh, i when i watched that i was thinking yeah, I understand why you want to test, you know, to try something else, but you've already tried and failed many times. Maybe none has a point, you know. Maybe maybe it's time. I, I didn't want them to do that, but... Oh, no, no, no. Clearly, no. she tried, and every time she tries, she said, oh, this is going to work, it's not working, and then she said, oh, but I have another yeah. idea, and I'm sure it's going to work. This time it will work. Yeah, and it never does. No. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, none has a point. The, the, this is the compromise kick. Uh, the comp, uh, com, uh, what's the word? The common ground. No, no. Middle ground. It, it, this is Burnham being compromised by ah, her feelings yeah. because yeah, th- this is the reason why Nan's there. Yeah, exactly. 
But mm. having said that, Nan isn't being very persuasive. Sorry, no. she doesn't have to be persuasive. She can just take over. But she's not asserting that authority that she has. She's allowing yes. Burnham to convince her that, oh, it'll be, we'll do it this time. Yeah, this time it's going to work. Yeah. One, more, one more try. One last try. One more try. Yeah. That's all it needs. Sounds like my daughter. You know, <laughs> go to bed. I have one last thing to do. <laughs> Half an hour later, she's still not in bed. Just five more minutes. Yeah. You know, I need to finish this drawing or uh, I need to finish this uh, this thing in Minecraft or I need to, you know, sing a song or now you're good to bed now. <laughs> yeah, no, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah, I'm weak. <laughs> <laughs> Aboard Booker's ship, Tarka admires the genius of the DMA controller and believes their plan would work. The weapon is loaded and ready to fire on Booker's mark. Just it's contagious, apparently. You know, <laughs> yeah. the old thing they're plunged. It's going to work. It's going to work, yes. Yes. Just then, Discovery jumps in front of them, blocking the shot. Wow. Timing. Yeah. Timing. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's funny when it jumps, you know, Discovery spins and it arrives at, and it falls a little bit, like like mm. if if there was gravity yeah, or something. It drops. <laughs> mm. drops. Booker can't beam it in without lowering the disruption field, but that would allow Discovery to beam them out. Yes. Tarka tells Booker to use the spore drive, but Discovery matches them, staying between him and the controller. How they can how can they do that? Because you know, they just disappear and reappear somewhere else. Right. But Booker disappears, Discovery disappears. Booker yes. appears, Discovery appears. Yeah. Surely you need to know where you're going before you mm-hmm. start the jump. So Booker yes. would need to rematerialize or, or uh, emerge at their destination before Discovery would then yes. be able to jump to pursue him. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think we've had the same conversation when we were talking... I can't remember if it was Enterprise or TNG when we were looking at warp warp speed. Yes. And how when you've got a, a warp pursuit going on, how are you able to follow them? Because if a ship suddenly jumps out of warp, you'll be mm, 77 yeah. light years ahead of them before you've even thought about it. Indeed. So. And then if you miss the stop by, uh, I don't know, one tenth of a second, and then you probably pass them. You'll, uh, well, you'll be in their shuttle bay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that. <laughs> Tucker scolds Booker for not firing when he had a lock, but Booker retorts that they only had one weapon and he didn't want to waste it. He locks onto Discovery's shields and opens fire, bringing them down to 50%. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> But, there we go again. Yeah. Burnham knows that Booker is not trying to hurt them, but Nan dismisses the semantics, believing they could both agree that Booker was firing on them. Burnham... Yeah, you think? Thank you, Captain Obvious. Mm. Burnham reluctantly orders return fire, matching Booker's intent to warn them off. 
As Tarka tries to justif- justify himself again, Booker cuts him off, saying that he was trying to find a home in another universe, while Booker had lost his home in this universe. Booker jumps again, but Discovery somehow matches that move. Yep. Tarka, having had enough, slams his fists on the weapon's control and fires a full spread of quantum torpedoes. Burnham remains convinced that Booker was not behind that attack, but Nan heatedly tells her that she lost half her team on her last mission, waiting too long to make a call that should have been made sooner, and she did not intend to make that mistake again. Yes. So um, she's gearing up for this now, you can see. Yeah. Would that have been anyone else? Uh, Burnham would have written fire immediately. Without question. Yeah. Without so question, without hesitation. Clearly, yeah. clearly she's uh, letting her feelings and her relationship with Book interfere with, uh, with her decisions. Nan is compromised. Too, yeah. Because of her association with Burnham. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, they're all screwed completely. And I'm I'm really surprised that the idea of putting a friendly face, as Vance called it, into discovery in order to make sure that the mission had been done was absolutely the wrong thing to do. What you should have yeah, done is put in somebody probably. that no one knows. You don't have to respect them. You don't have to like them. But if they outrank you, yep. you have to obey them. Yeah, I guess uh, bad move. Yeah. The power of hindsight. Well, yeah, it's the Monday morning, Monday, Monday morning quarterback decisions. Right. Like, you know, yeah, we should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you should have think about that. You should have thought about that uh, 24 hours ago. Yes, as as they were they were thinking about this as they were floating through space, having been obliterated into a billion atoms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as Burnham pointed out, the stakes were too high. <laughs> Come on, can you stop no, it now, really? please? They had to destroy Booker's ship to stop him. Burnham turns to Saru, who reluctantly concurs. Just as she's about to give the order, Stamets calls in, saying that he has an estimate approximately 154 hours or a full week before the DMA collects all the boronite in the area and jumps again. Good timing. I'm incredibly suspicious of this. Of the timing? Of the timing, yes. I think Stamets waited until she was about to push the button and like, I've saved the day! This is is all about Stamets. You know, Proving no. that he's... No, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Uh, Burnham, relieved, orders Lieutenant Christopher, hello, not seen your day, hello, to hail yeah. Booker's ship, but Christopher reports no response. Telling him to keep trying, Burnham turns to Reese, telling him to obey the order to destroy Booker's ship if Nan gives it. She then leaves Saru the con and tells Nan to follow her into her ready room. Nan's like, oh, what have I done wrong? <laughs> What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? My office now. Now. <laughs> oh dear. Once they were alone, Burnham asks Nan how many people her team was able to save. Nan replies they saved one hundred and fifteen. 
Bernard remarks they had made that she had made the decision not long ago that saved lives, but lost others as well. As leaders, they only saw success or failure, right or wrong. But she points out that nothing was ever that binary. There was a middle ground, and she was convinced she could get Booker to see it. Again. Yes, again. <laughs> Nan half-jokingly asks if she planned to put on an EV suit and knock on his view screen. Bernard replies she would use a shuttle and fly in front of his view screen instead. <laughs> Nan warns that she will give the order to fire if they try and launch the weapon, and that and that would also kill Burnham in the process. Burnham, however, continues to believe in, Bro- in Booker, but knows Nan will save her ship and crew if she's wrong. Nan wishes her luck. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now looking for a new captain for Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I didn't... I didn't really get what the uh, how many people did you save uh, point was, but I, I actually to 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 uh, emphasize on on the fact that yeah you've lost you've lost your crew but you did save some lives so this comes it, up later it, on it, I need yeah the, it it took me a while to work out what that was about it does yeah, yeah, it does too. come to a to a head a bit later on I actually nearly yep. removed that bit from the review until I realized it was uh-huh. completely relevant and put it back in again. But yep. yes, it it did seem a bit random at this time why it mattered that pretty much half the people that um, had been in that team had, had, had she'd been able to save. Yes. Um, but as Burnham said, you know, success or failure, right or wrong, th- there is a, a midpoint um, what was the phrase uh, that was in war games? Uh, back in the war room, they do believe there can be acceptable losses. Yes, which was uh, where they were trying That's to true. trying to discuss the the futility of war, the futility of conflict. Mm-hmm. But actually, whilst there aren't acceptable losses, to save people, doesn't matter how many there are needs to be considered a positive. Absolutely. This is a grey area. Yeah. Then it, it was, I was not going to say funny, but the fact that she said, you know, you're going to, uh, yeah, crash on, on the windshield. Uh, it's pretty much what she's going, she's about to do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Didn't, didn't we have an episode? Um, a few uh, last season where one of them jumps with an EV suit. It and oh, try. it was this season. It was oh, Burnham. It's later on. It was the one. It was the lookout post that got destroyed by the DMA. Yes. So it was one of the first two episodes. Then that it must it must have been yes. Record. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they were trying to open already. the the hatch from the outside. Yes. So that's what she should have responded. You know, ah, been there, done that. <laughs> oh dear! Right, we are on to Act Four. Ooh! As Burnham's shuttle leaves Discovery, Booker threatens to take Tarka's hands off if he touches the console again. <laughs> Tarka remains fixated on his obsession with stopping the DMA. Just then, he sees the shuttle approaching and hails it, ordering it to identify. Uh, that was actually Book that said that, not, um, not yeah. Tarka. 
Burnham does so, commenting on how he had not answered their hails. Booker replies he had been a little busy, and both compliment their manoeuvring. Burnham pleads with him to... (laughs) Oh, nice play. Yeah, you too. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, it's... It's like that scene out of um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith when Brad Pitt and Angelina yes. Jolie are, are trying to kill each other, and they're like, mm-hmm. "That was a good move, that." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, him pleads with Book to stop and reminds him that he'd wanted a middle ground. They keep coming back to this middle ground thing, and now she had one. She transmits the data on the timetable, noting that the DMA would continue collecting boronite in that uninhabited space for at least another week. Whilst it's there, no lives were in danger. She offers them a solution that both President Rillac and Admiral Vance have approved. Now, I wasn't aware that this had been approved, but I suppose they could have done that quietly, or she's trying it on, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's BS. (laughs) (laughs) But there again, she's out in deep space, so... Exactly what she likes. What happens in deep space stays in deep space. Yes. But is it better better to ask for forgiveness than permission or something? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, yeah, the solution was that they would come aboard Discovery and they would remain there for that week. So the Federation could then use that time to make contact with Species 10C and work to convince them to withdraw the DMA. If that failed, they would then back the plan to destroy the DMA controller. And at this point, I realise it's BS because they would never agree to that in the first place. No. Plus, what would they have done on Discovery? I mean, with everybody looking at them like, you know, what have you done? Things like that. No, no, no that, that would have never worked. Well, when she, when she first said it, she said, we would hold you on Discovery. And yes. I think it was Tarka that questioned... No, yeah. no, sorry, it's Booker that questioned hold... Yeah, I, th- I think it. Well, oh, she, she kind of backpedaled on it and said, "No, you, you would, you would, yeah. you would stay on Discovery. You'd be our guest." Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, personally, I'd stick him in the toilets. <laughs> but that's a good question, though. Is there any toilets in the ship? We never saw the toilets. We never, we've never seen the toilets on the Enterprise. Would you want Enterprise. to? What? Would you want to see the toilets on Enterprise? I've lost, I've lost Dave. Hello? Did I lose internet or did I I'm, just... I'm still here and I can oh, still yeah. hear you. Okay, I can still hear you. But uh, you were not moving anymore. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah, yeah, we've never seen the toilets. Mm. I mean, not even a door with toilet written. I mean, I not necessarily want to see the inside, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, you know, they should have done that. It would have been fun. It may be that technology has advanced to the point in the 932 years that have passed since uh, the end of season two that they now carry units that take care of everything for you. Mm, um, no. I mean, we know where the toilets lead to. They go into the replicators. We knew this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm, nice yeah. apple. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what come what came first? <laughs> you know. Oh, it's um, all recycled. It, so. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a continuous cycle. So. Oh. Anyway. Oh no. <laughs> Moving on. Does that mean the quality of the apple will deteriorate? No, can we yeah, let's move on. 
<laughs> Book it enables the privacy settings and turns to Tarker, who protests against taking the deal. Booker retorts that he lost voting rights when he fired that torp- torpedo spread at Discovery. <laughs> Dig that. Yeah. Booker believes it to be a, val- a viable compromise, while Tarker thinks that it's a lie, an effort by Burnham to convince him to back down. Booker, however, trusts Burnham completely. I'm going to come back to that in a bit. Tarka pleads with him to let him take the power source so that he can go home, but Booker brings down the privacy screen and agrees to Burnham's proposal. Burnham relays the good news to Discovery and orders the shuttle bay to prep for Booker's ship. So th- you can see this is this has hit Tarka really hard. He's being thwarted at every step, and he I, yes. I actually you know don't think, don't hate me for this and don't start looking for a replacement host. I actually felt sorry for him. What we were saying before I, I, about the his focus and his intent being admirable, he's trying to do the right thing for him, and he's getting stopped at every possibility. Every time he has an opportunity, someone basically stands in his way. Yes, but to say that I I, I felt for him, uh, I, I I don't know because the more. The more we have advanced in this episode and the the story, the more we can see that he's he's really focusing on his own his own goal and really doesn't care about it, or almost doesn't care about everything else. So I don't I I wouldn't say that I I I, I uh, cared for 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 him that at that point, but. Yeah. I I can see your point. Yeah, well, I can I can see yours equally. But it's it's just he he's getting a bit of a of a of a bad timing of it at the moment, and I'm not I'm not sympathetic towards him by any means, but just from a a personable perspective, it's it it's, 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 yeah. it just seems a real shame that every time he tries to do something, he gets he gets stamped on. Yeah. He deserves it. Don't get me wrong. I guess. I guess. Oh yes, and I wanted to to point out the um uh, the the whole trust thing. So obviously Burnham and Book are completely at odds right now. Right? They they're pursuing completely opposite things. And yet despite all of that, despite the fact that she is under orders to stop him, um the the end games they are aiming towards are at completely opposite ends of the spectrum. She still completely and unquestionably trusts him. Yes. And he her as well. Yes. It it just seems weird. Yes, because <laughs> how can they trust each other when they're pursuing the exact opposite thing? Do they trust each other, or do they do they trust that they themselves can make the other one um, change their mind? I mean, I I think Burnham thinks she she's confident that she can change a book's mind. Um, I'm not exactly sure that she trusts. Well, she trusts that he's not gonna hurt her 
and yes, vice versa. Agreed. But I think that's that's the 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 all the, the extent of it. I think the rest she she doesn't trust him to change that he's going to change his mind. She trusts that she can make him change. His mind. I don't know if that what I say makes any sense. Mm, but it does. It, yeah. Well, good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's the thing that it, they have confidence in themselves that they can make the the other one change their mind more than uh, well. I trust it. I blindly trust what it's, it's going to do. That is going to do the right thing. Okay. Because I think she knows d- deep inside. She knows that if if she she's not if she was not there, um, he would destroy the DMA without without question. So. But I think she trusts her capacity, her ability to make him change his mind. Does he want her to change his mind? Sorry. Does he want her to change his ah. mind? No, I don't think so. No. No. Okay. Interesting. He seems conflicted. He seems conflicted because he, I think it's. Because of Tarka, because he wants, he just wants to destroy the DMA. But Tarka has other mm. motives, and, and and Booker wants to destroy the DMA and have no one else been um, hurt. Tarka doesn't care; just wants to destroy the DMA to get his hands on the power source. So this is a classic case of two. Enemies uniting against a common enemy. Yes, but still being enemies. Like they 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 have a common goal, but they still have different yes um, views yep. on how to achieve this goal. Yes. Uh, yeah, maybe we're just you know going too deep in in, in there. There's nothing at all. But I don't know. That's what I don't do. know. That's what we do. I think that's th- what this is, podcast is about. This is, no, it totally is. It totally is. And as always, we very much welcome the opinions of uh, of our listeners on this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as I've said so many times before, one of the, the amazing things about Star Trek is its ability to to prompt uh, real life, real life questions, real True. life scenarios. Yeah. True, um, true. And I, I cannot think of any specific episode where that hasn't necessarily been the case. And the fact that we're sitting sitting here and talking about this now means it obviously it matters to us. So and maybe it matters to other people. Done that for, the fact that we've done that for over a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, with that said, let's uh, let's move on. Yes. As Burnham returns to Discovery, Tarka asks if Booker was familiar with the concept of expected utility. He explains that it was a concept of game theory, a mathematical method to help determine the optimal move in a situation where the risk was high and the outcome was unclear. Such analysis can lead to unexpected solutions, he concludes. Of course, one has to be clear-headed to make the right move. At this point, I was thinking, what are you talking about? Yeah, because I didn't understand any of it. But then I remembered what he said on um, back at the Federation 
uh, headquarters where they were talk where they were doing the vote, and he said, "No, your moment." Yes, and then he made his mo- he, he he knew his moment yep. and started to address the assembly, and this is exactly what happens here. Yeah, Tarka brings the, the whole time. He, sorry, no. the whole time he was uh, talking, I was like, "Well, one, I don't understand the word of what you're saying, but two, you're up to something." Right, he's leading up to something. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Tarka brings up the controls for the weapon, and when Booker asks what he's doing, he replies making the right move. Booker tries to stop him, but it's too late. Yeah. So go ahead a a few scenes and then have a a few remarks about that. Okay. I'm going to go back a few scenes. Okay. When Burnham said, and I can't find it now, Burnham actually said, if they launched that weapon, they would, they would take him out. Yes, and then they just sat there and it happened. So, yes, that, mm. yeah. Well, so, so that, that that was one of the of of, of the points I was gonna uh, talk about. Right. Yeah. So they were supposed to shoot them before they they launched the weapon, but apparently it was just press of a button and the weapon would appear inside the, the DMA. So well, that how would they was have known? doomed from, yeah. Plan was doomed from the beginning. Right. Point, <laughs> point, point one. Point two, if they could just transport the weapon inside the DMA, why did they jump all, all around and, you know, trying to escape discovery and so what, why didn't they do that? You know, like half an hour ago. Was the weapon there by that point? Yeah, maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, but all... Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I, I accept that. Right. But also something else I've just realised. Oh, hang on, has it happened yet? No, it was there because Tucker asked where it should be installed in, in torpedo tube number whatever. Yeah, torpedo tube so six. So, so at that Another thing, why would you put a weapon in a torpedo tube when you just have to transport it? Right, but also, Discovery positioned itself between Bookship and the DMA to prevent what they called the shot. There was no shot. There was no shot. It was it was beamed in. Yeah. Wow. So none of this makes sense. Just as Burnham beams back to the bridge, Awushikan reports that the disruption field on Booker's ship has lowered and a massive tachyon surge was building up inside the DMA controller. Good old tachyons. Mm. That weren't present when the um, Quajon was destroyed. No. See, I remember these things. (laughs) Booker hails tachyons that... On those, the uh, the particles that appear when they, the wormhole opens. Yeah, well, yes, that's right. It was, it was the, thing, the one thing that was missing. Yeah, but back in the Space Nine, was that Tachyons too, when the wormhole opened? Them must have Maybe. been, according yeah. to Stamets. Yeah. Tachyons. Tachyons everywhere. Tachyons, yeah. 
I have no idea what they are, but they're awesome. Stekyan's Galor. Booker hails Discovery, warning them that Tarka has beamed the weapon into the DMA controller and urges them to escape. Burnham asks if they could stop it, but Saru does not believe they can. Tarka urges Booker to escape as the detonation would cover half a parsec and the null space bubble around the weapon would protect the power power source, but not their ship. Booker refuses to leave until Discovery is safely away. Burnham angrily orders Black Alert and Discovery jumps away, followed a moment later by Booker's ship as the weapon then detonates. Did I see a little bit of fear on Tarka's face when Booker said, well, no, we're going to sit there until they're safely away? Well, yeah. Yeah. He's about to blow up. But I think, I think it's the first time the first time we saw any kind of uh of fear of or or you know um uh, uncertainty worry yeah on, yeah on, worry uncertainty yeah yeah but you know from from a guy who thinks who thinks he's the best scientist in the universe realizing that he is going to get blown up um but yeah i understand I mean, <laughs> perhaps the reality of what it is they're actually doing uh, hits yeah. upon him at that particular moment. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now safe, Tarka assures Booker that it had to be done. And now they could both get what they wanted. The DMA was gone and Tarka could use the power source to go home. But when he scans for the power source, he is horrified to realise that it's not there. It was being powered nope. from the other side of the wormhole outside of the galaxy. Ah, what a noob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was going to be that easy. Goodness me. No. That's right. We'll just take yeah. take the, the, the power source and go. There's four episodes to go yet, mate. Come on. <laughs> he didn't know that. Well, then he didn't read the script, did he? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Aboard Discovery, now back at Federation headquarters, Burnham is visited by Narn, who asks about Booker. Burnham has tried hailing, but he's not responding. With no idea how Species 10C would respond, Admiral Vance is initiating emergency protocols in case of retaliation, and the first contact mission is being fast-tracked. Um, if you had just blown up a huge device of unknown origin... But, uh, belonging yes. to an unknown species, and you yes. were fearing that there was going to be retaliation at a similar yeah. or greater level to that that you had just caused, would you still be shipping in people to try and make first contact? I would. I would bake some huge cakes. Didn't they try that with the butterfly people? I can't remember the the name of the cakes. No, but it wasn't cakes. It was they. They, they went. They came bearing um, dilithium gifts. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I would probably send very highly qualified diplomats and also highly qualified military people. Heavily armed but military. It, it, he has no choice. You know, no, of course. He, has, yeah. he needs to go on and, and say, oops, we're sorry. Sorry. 
it's okay. We'll patch this. That that's okay. Um, we're we're the good we're the good guys here. Sorry for blowing up um, your stuff with a a bomb made out of a material we banned years ago. Yes, mm. but I'm sure it's well, all yeah, fine. It, it, it's all fine. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I'm I'm Vance. How'd you do? Well, hold your horses a minute. Vance will still be sat in the sanctity of Federation headquarters. He won't be anywhere near the the first contact mission. Yes, true. That's true. <laughs> Bryce was still working on communicating through the galactic barrier, and Discovery would leave the following day. Nan has already said her goodbyes to the crew, promising not to be a stranger. Burnham jokingly adds, uh, adds she would hold her to that, and that there would always always be a place for her on Discovery, and they both wish, mm-hmm. wish each other well on their upcoming missions. Oh, how lovely. Yes. I, I like Nan. Not, not as much as Tilly, but I like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah she's, she's, one, she's one of those human... Oh, I apologise. That she's is not, probably but... quite offensive. She's one yes. of the more human-like in, in, in terms of having a soul um, people. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah. In sickbay, Dr. Colbert is alone, shutting down some of the equipment, when Saru enters. The doctor remarks... You're laughing already, I can see. The do- Best scene of the of the episode. <laughs> I bet I can get where your quote of the week is. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor remarks on the long day and asks how Saru was holding up. Saru admits he was doing as well as expected. But he thanks Culber for his calm during the mission, only wishing that they had been successful. Saru then asks for Culber's advice on how to deal with an overture, as he calls it, from mm-hmm. Tarina, admitting to feeling silly about it given what they'd just been through. Tarina has asked him to dine with her, and he's trying to convey the best way of declining the proposition, even if he had the time for it. I'm like, what? What? Why, why would you even consider declining that? We all know how you feel. It seems yeah. like the only person that doesn't know how he feels is him. Yeah. I don't know. He does. Well, of course because he does. He, he confirmed that, confirms that uh, mm. in a few seconds. But he, he doesn't know how to deal with it. I think that's the issue. Yeah. So this, this is yeah. pure fear kicking in, the unknown. Yeah. Col- in there. <laughs> Colba looks amused as Saru explains about how he and Tarina are from vastly different cultures and how he was already committed to his work with Starfleet and on the, the Kaminar High Council. Colba asks him straight if he had feelings for her, and Saru eventually admits that he does. Colba respectfully and somewhat jokingly says that in his professional opinion, Saru was being an idiot. noting that while connection was always a risk given everything that was going on it was something that Saru could handle yeah he's a big boy yeah but he's absolutely being an idiot goodness sake jump at the chance yeah Yeah. come on Saru you've got this yeah we're all behind you not too close though that's that's just weird (laughs) no that would be weird (laughs) Just then, Lieutenant Christopher calls Saru to the bridge. Saru thanks the Doctor for his unexpected candour and leaves. <laughs> yeah. So. Kilbert was smiling. It, it was good to see him smile and not 
you know, wonder about the well-being of the crew uh, or, or cleaning the <laughs> yeah, from shouting me. at dots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but I, I'm not. I don't wish to make light of Saru's situation because we can probably all say we are familiar with with what he's going through. Yeah, but at the same time, he was probably being incredibly highly entertained by how Saru was behaving because yeah. <laughs> he was behaving like you know a frightened little boy yeah and i completely get it i understand it me too yeah yeah, yeah me but too. at the same time <laughs> he was in my professional opinion being an idiot yeah absolutely you've got two yeah, people yeah, who clearly have feelings for each other they both know they have feelings for each other and they're like I don't know what to do. But that's you know every every TV program where two people have feelings for mm. each other. It always takes like forever. <laughs> but we need to be careful though, because history has proven in TV that when there's yes. a relationship that is unrequited, at the moment they give into that relationship, the TV series fails. <laughs> X Files. <laughs> yes. um, Oh, crumbs! What was it called? The one with um, moonlighting. Yeah, moonlighting with yeah. um, Bruce Willis and uh, and um, yeah, she was in. Oh, Sybil Shepherd. Yes, Sib- yes, yes. That's that's her. Yeah, um, Love Hurts. Very, there was a series in the series. UK called Love Hurts with Adam Faith and Zoe Wanamaker. All happened the same way. The moment the yeah. romance happened, I lost interest in it. <laughs> Because yeah, because people just say, okay, done. Well, let's let's watch another series where where two people are trying to get exactly. Together. It's, it's the tension, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Last scene. Yeah. As Saru arrives on the bridge, Burnham shows a live feed from the USS Mitchell at the last location of the DMA, showing that a new DMA had appeared in its place. Whether Mark two. Right. Whether they wished it or not, they had just made first contact with species 10C. Well, kind of. Yeah, well, there was a contact. (laughs) The bomb contacted the DMA. (laughs) (laughs) But the the replacement DMA could have just been, you know, an an auto-spawn. It's crashed, so restart the process. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, We don't know what that bomb did to the the DMA. It may have done nothing. Well, it was not there after the explosion. It was no longer there. It could have been like spread in space and then reformed, maybe like like Was it there in the Earth place? You mentioned it in you mentioned it earlier, um I mentioned Terminator, maybe it was you know, something mm. like reformed, but we don't know. Not a clue. No nope. could be that marks the end of the episode. What yeah. did you think of it? I thought the the relationship between Book and Taka evolved um, from two people going on the field trip, quote unquote, um, <laughs> together. To now, I, I think there's something broken between Booker and Taka because Taka just did. You know, he he installed the uh, the um, 
the alert on the, on the ship without uh, telling Book. He fired at Discovery uh, without you know, against uh, Book's um, not orders, but um, what what he was doing, and he sent the weapon going against what Book had decided uh, previously. So I think there's something broken in, in here. And this episode was interesting for that, for the evolution of their relationship. It was also interesting in what we mentioned earlier, in that um, Burnham kept trying and trying and failing, and she was clearly blinded by by um, her relationship with Book, and, and she was not taking the right decisions. Other than that, the main story was like, yeah, okay. Uh, you're trying to to get to book and you you managed to not catch him and miss the uh, the 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 opportunity to for, to to well to complete your mission, which was to stop them from blowing up the the DMA. So it's it's one of those episodes that. Are, I'm I'm not quite sure if it's a good one or if it's bad one. It's neither. It's neither neither really good nor really bad. Uh, there's still this this relationship thing between Booker and Taka that is uh, I think it's significant. Um, but it was an I would say it was an average episode. Um, there was some bad CGI's and some things that we noticed that didn't make any sense that continuity uh, not continuity errors but like suddenly you can't beam on on Booker's ship when we know it's actually possible it's been done many times but yeah um, I would say average average plus episode um, it was not boring to watch it was I watched it like I watched uh, um, most episodes but yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pl- place this one in in my top ten. Okay, I'm I'm just quite interested as to how close our opinions were. But before I go on to my my general observations, you you prompted something in in my my mind when you were talking just then. Um, when you were saying about how the relationship between Tarka and Book seems to have started to collapse a bit um it made me consider the possibility that of what book's role in tarka's plan actually was and i've come to the conclusion that book was actually tarka's puppet yeah the, the taxi yes yes I, I will i will go with that i'll go with that because I meant, I think it was either last week or the week before I mentioned about how uh, Tarka seems to be talking a lot to Book, almost trying to persuade him around to his way of thinking. And the the lack of the trust that was lost as a result of messing around with Book's ship firing the torpedoes at Discovery has he, basically Tarka has now lost Book. Yeah. He's not part of the plan anymore. 
he's he's fighting back something he never expected would happen so that that that's my uh my thoughts based I, on what on what you said i agree but general observations around the around the episode as much as it was really great to see nan on discovery again it really genuinely was it's almost like her storyline was built around her being there if you took nan and the i'm just here to make sure it's done storyline you take that out i don't think there would actually be anything different in the episode i, no. I don't think it was it, she i don't think that storyline gave much to the episode she didn't outcome. do anything no exactly that so that that was a little bit disappointing in that respect but like i say yeah. having her on the ship and having her there for for, for burnham was brilliant it worked yeah not gonna not, not, not but, gonna question that you're right i mean she didn't uh took over the uh, command nope she didn't fire at book's uh ship so yeah essentially she was just there in fact everything she was put in yeah. place to do she actually failed on <laughs> yes <laughs> um so yeah but based on that there was very little in the way of B-plot in this episode. It was all DMA. It was all um, Book and Tarka. And it's really nice to have a, a good, strong focus on exactly what is happening around the DMA, Tarka's ulterior motive. Like I said, we're going to be having a bit more focus on this in, in upcoming episodes. So this is a nice lead-in to into Tarka. Tarka's starting to unravel a little bit. He's starting to fall apart. So mm-hmm. he, we, we're getting closer to that. Um him losing the plot after Discovery thwarted his plan brought a lot more of his real character forward. Because yeah. a lot of it before was uh, bravado, it was a mask, but we're starting to see the real Tarka, so this is going to be good. Overall, though, I think it was a good episode. Though slightly above average. Not one of my favourites. But unfortunately, there was just nothing really tangible in that episode until the moment Tarka put that weapon in the DMA, and then it started to get really exciting again. So, yeah, because suddenly he it, suddenly he is without a plan, because his plan was to blow the thing up and get the power source. Now he doesn't have the power source, and he doesn't have a plan. So yeah, it's it, it, it's probably going to get more interesting yeah I, c- I can see most of what you just said being a problem <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's see where let's see where this goes like i say there's four episodes left in the series if there are 13 in total mm-hmm. um i mean we know it gets much better than this yeah so let's see uh anything else you want to add on this episode no i don't i don't have anything to add okay um, that we didn't uh, already talk about. Nice. Um, well, we didn't have any trivia when I first wrote these release notes about a year ago, and I checked on Memory mm-hmm. Alpha earlier on today, and we still don't have any trivia. Right. So with that in mind, we shall yeah. conclude our review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 9, Rubicon. So thanks to all of you for listening to our show. You can help us spread the love for this podcast by blowing up the nearest space-time anomaly in hope of finding a pathway to a mirror universe where you'd be able to spread the news about the existence of this show. Or if you think it's punishment enough for the people of this universe to be subjected to our 
weekly-ish babblings, you can simply share the address of our website on social media. Who wrote this thing? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. It might be Something me. like me. Yeah, it could have been either of us. <laughs> yes. Our website is at trgreyhot.org where you can find our show notes uh, and leave a comment on every episode on the uh, commenty thingy for me that you will find below the uh, the podcast Indeed. Uh, player. Now I can see what you changed. We are on Telegram at t.me slash T-E-G-H podcast and also on Mastodon at T-E-G-H podcast at 1701home.com. We also stream the recordings of those episodes on Twitch at twitch.tv slash T-E-G-H podcast. Thank you, as always, to Memory Alpha. We have based our review of this week's episode on their work, and that is released under a Creative Commons by attribution non-commercial license. And the rest of the show is released under a Creative Commons by attribution share-like license. See our website for details, bottom right, on every page. <laughs> now we found the link, so we're going to tell you where it is every well, week. now we found it, we're going to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this podcast is a part of the Other Side Podcast Network, please do check out the website at otherside.network for details of our other shows and, well, some of our other hosts because some of our, the people on this show do other shows as well. Yes. So, yes. In fact, we both do. So, so. check out check out the podcast, thepodcast.org, uh, every Friday night, 9.30-ish p.m. UK time. Nice. It's a, it's a very good show. It's a very good I show. think so. Yes. Um, almost 15 years we've been running. Yeah. Mm. Congrats. Thanks, man. Our next episode will be a review of The Galactic Barrier, the 10th episode of the fourth season of the fourth season of Star Trek <laughs> Discovery. Wow. Yeah. That's bring, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Dave, once of again, course. as always, yep. for joining me. It's always fun. Fun, fun, fun. Talking about those, those episodes and geeking about the... Uh, I mean, we we're picking on on the shows for for those you know continuity errors and and things like transporting a bridge, but we love we love Star Isn't Trek. That, the that point? that's that's part of Star Trek. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you everyone for listening, downloading, and you know everything being on on the um, on the Twitch chat. Uh, we will be back next week with a whole lot more Star Trek discovery. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Ciao, ciao. See ya. member of the Other Side Podcast Network. Find more about our shows at otherside.network.